You're listening to the Forefront Church Sermon Podcast. Forefront Church is a progressive Christian community more interested in asking good questions than having all the right answers. Thanks for listening. Uh, my name is Chris Roma, and my pronouns are he, him. I live in what's colonially known as East Harlem, which is land stewarded by the Lene Lenape. Uh, it's important to say that on the, uh, uh, at the onset of this conversation because uh, when we have any sort of conversation about freedom um, in the year, uh, in the, the day of the year that this country that we call United States um, celebrates its freedom, it came at the expense of others and on the backs of folks um, who built this country. And so maybe that's a precursor. Hope, didn't try to bring you down. Just got... <laughs> dead silent in this room, um, but it's important that we orient. Uh, if we're going to understand liberation and freedom collectively, then we're going to have to be honest about what it is and what it isn't, right? Amen? Okay, um, so thank you for welcoming me into your living room, so to speak. Um, I'm going to try not to be too extra, um, though I have a proclivity towards it sometimes. Um, I also want to just instill some practices that we have at Common Ground. Uh, so first is citing sources. Um, well, no, you know what? First we'll cover consent and curiosity. So a few folks at Common Ground at the start of every uh, one of our conversations just sort of said, hey, we, we should invite some curiosity and some con consent out of the community. So curiosity being that something might be said that could be activating, could be triggering, um, we in just invite a posture of curiosity. You don't have to pick it up. You don't have to take anything in that I say. In fact, dismiss it all if the Spirit's speaking to you that way. But the way that we set ourselves free is through being curious. And so I invite just a little bit of uh, compassion as I work my way through this sermon. Um, the other one is consent. So if something's activating in your body, um, if something just doesn't sit right in your heart or your spirit, please do what you need to do to care for yourself. It's important that we care for each other. Um, and not everybody picks up the same thing that uh, someone like me is putting down. Um, and so amen to that. That's the diversity of the people of God. Okay, so citing sources. Um, Y'all, I draw from like the same 15 books over and over again. So a common grounder could probably close their eyes right now and recite the books that I'm about to reference. But it, nevertheless, it's important for people who have mics, especially in my social location, to identify that I am drawing from others, um, ancestors and kin alive now. So um, We Will Not Cancel Us by Adrian Marie Brown. By the way, if you're interested in these books, we could talk after, I could show you them. Also, if you're on live stream, um, we'll get you the links. But, so We Will Not Cancel Us by Adrian Marie Brown. Pedagogy of the Oppressed by Paulo Freire, an educator in Brazil. Having Nothing, Possessing Everything. I drew from this one a lot for this sermon by Dr. Michael Mather. We Do This Till We Free Us by Maryam Kaba. Wonderful abolitionist guide. And finally, from our ancestor and kin and elder, Bell Hooks, Teaching Community, a Pedagogy of Hope. This is where I drew some of my um, motivation, but also from just, that's formal places, from informal places. So talking to Sarah Chung and Sarah Sparkman and Chantilly, my co-organizer, talking to Tommy, hi Tommy, on live stream, 
part of this conversation is that we are collectively setting each other free, that we don't actually find individual freedom that then is, then is practiced alone. We free ourselves by binding ourselves like a piece in a quilt to a larger quilt, uh, one that hopefully keeps us warm, keeps us brave, keeps us going, provides some sustenance for us to do the work that God has called us to do. We are not individualists, despite what our economy, our society, our country uh, might tell us we are. Amen to that. I can't do anything alone, much less do anything with other people. So uh, <laughs> pray with me. Spirit of the living God, give us guidance as we discern where you are. As we discern where you are, let's also see where you're not. And let us travel to the places that you're going. And may we set each other free in the process. Amen. So I'm going to start my little timer here. Okay. 67 minutes. Cool. Um, Just kidding. Um, Okay. So on the front end of this, um, I want you to just bear with me for a little bit, uh, and then we're going to get past it together. Uh, It is July 3rd, and we are talking about being unapologetically free. And so it is important that as we talk about being free on a day uh, like today, um, in preparation for a day like tomorrow, that we keep things really, really, really real, right? This is a country that was built on wealthy landowners who not only kept non-males from voting, but also children and, of course, indigenous folk and the slave population of which this economy and this infrastructure was built on. None of those could vote. So when we're talking about what a free country looks like, and we're talking 15 to 17, tops 20% of the country who is free, I think that our idea of what freedom looks like now is at best skewed. Um, at worst, pretty different from what God might be asking for um, in terms of our collective liberation and a world wherein we are all flourishing. It's important as people of a kin, of a family, as that, as that um, song just um, indicated, that if we are to follow in the Jesus way, that we are radical in the way that we orient towards Jesus and not try to overlap that where it is inappropriate to overlap with a nation such as America. The reality is when we look at the Jesus way, Jesus was in an occupied territory of Judea. There's a lot of big feelings at that moment, right? I mean, can you imagine, well, yeah, some of us can, and some of us are right now, even as American citizens, being occupied by an empire, right? Being squelched and held down by violence that was bigger than ourselves. And unless we organized against it, we were subject to it. And when we did organize against it, or in Jesus' day, when they organized against it, the 100 or 200 or 300 rabble-rousers would be crucified along the road to let people know exactly what happens when you test the empire. If you've ever been to any sort of protest here in the city or elsewhere, you see what law enforcement does to show us what it's like to testify to an alternative economy than that which America offers. The front line of law enforcement lets you know brutally where you stand in the empire ethic. And so I have disabused myself on my track towards freedom from connecting my liberation to the American story in any way, shape, or form. America is a place that exists. It hasn't always existed. 
It's a place that won't always exist. And I will not take so far my four decades, four decades, yeah, maybe more, um, to bind myself to a temporary thing that is squatting on Mother Earth, bringing in resources, chaining them, fencing them, literally and, and sometimes figuratively, but a lot of times literally, and then protecting them, doling them out to us. That is not what heaven will feel like. That is not what freedom looks like. And I do not care, sorry, I care marginally, but I do not care which side of the military industrial complex political system is in charge in the White House or the Supreme Court or the legislature or anything like that because when we can't decide on feeding each other, but we can by the, by the, by the, um, the count of 84, 87, 88 votes to militarize our military industrial complex and to overfund it, when we say we can't pay for school and we can't pay for food, I refuse to say that God is there, that God is guiding that, that if we just get our right people in the side, whether we be Republican, whether we be Democrat, whether we call ourselves centrist, if we think that the folks that represent us are seeking to set us free, we got some Stockholm Syndrome that we could be freed of. And so, July 4th exists. I mean, that's the most I can say. The most I can say is that as I have been compelled by the Jesus story, as I have been shaped by this person who walked around in an occupied time of Rome, the Roman Empire, said nothing about voting the right Caesar in or toppling that Caesar for a better Caesar, a more benevolent Caesar. No, these people were taxed, occupied, and erased under Roman culture. And how much testimony do we have about Jesus saying, you know, we just need to reform Rome. Not just reform, reform, but incrementally reform. Hey, I know it's not going great now, but like 10 years, if we get the right Caesars in, like we can, you know, et cetera. Any sort of reform that America has done has been 200 years late. I don't think that's where the spirit of God is. And so, as I follow in the Jesus way, I'm attentive to what Jesus might be inviting out of me and out of us that looks like liberation. Jesus, uh, a very confusing, compelling, and frustrating character was but one person. Each time he grew a little bit of a crowd, he said something pretty messed up, right? And then they all left him. You know, like a great marketing ploy, ploy, a great marketing scheme, a good uh, communication strategy would not say, hey, as soon as you build a crowd, Tell them that they literally have to eat body and drink blood to be your followers. That's not going to go like, yeah, you know what, let's, let me tell my fam- friends and family about this. We'll be right back. A good comms director would not tell Jesus that every time he gains a crowd to cross the lake or walk somewhere else and take a nap. You got momentum. You got to work this. You got to get this going, Right? In every opportunity that there was empire, there was an opportunity to build a collective movement, Jesus moved it always back to the fractal. By fractal, which I will credit my sibling and sister um, Chantilly for orienting me towards this, by fractal I mean it in the way that Adrian Marie Brown speaks of it. If you wouldn't mind pulling up that quote. Do I have that quote? I have that quote, I think. Let me just start start reading though. Existence is fractal. 
the health of the cell is the health of the species and the planet. There are examples. Birds don't make a plan to migrate, raising resources to fund their way, packing for scarce times, mapping out their pit stops. They feel a call in their bodies that they must go, and they follow it, responding to each other, each bringing their adaptations. There is an art to flocking. Staying separate enough not to crowd each other, aligned enough to maintain the shaped, shared direction, and cohesive enough to always move towards each other. Responding to what Adrian Marie Brown calls, responding to destiny. Friends, this is a non-Christian preaching straight gospel here. This is a non-Christian in social movements in Detroit, fractally staying there in a small sphere, caring, um, cohabitating, uh, and sharing with a few folks doing radical things in Detroit. Had it not been for this book, we would have never heard of her. And yet we live in a world where you got to make yourself known, right? America's got to be the loudest, strongest thing out there. We got brand specialists, we got comm directors, we got all these things that promote a sort of energy in us, an anxiety in us to be known by others. And I just gotta ask, is that freedom? In my pursuit to be known by others, I have abandoned myself and not known myself very well. In capitalism, I have stopped asking what my body needs and have just been subject to what I've been told I need. I was doing this uh, this morning when I was putting on my Apple Watch, which by the way, I hate and I'm a hypocrite. No shade to anyone who's an Apple Watch owner. I own one too and I was gonna wear it, but I only bought it because I had a little, few extra dollars, right, and they were selling it on sale and I was like, okay, uh, got it. And ever since then I've been like, what is this saying? What am I saying about me <laughs> when I put this on? What am I trying to communicate? to be known by another, to be seen? Am I participating in my own liberation when I can't control my own appetites? I don't say that with shame, I just say that we are invited constantly to consume, right? We have in our society learned that anything we want is at our hands. Even if a pear grows in Guatemala, and then is canned in Indonesia and then mailed back to us so that we can buy it in New York City. We care nothing about its travel or that first fruit or that tree or the gas that was spent in that whole interaction. We just care that we want a pair and we want it now. When I think of collective freedom, when I think of my own liberation, it is attention, it is deep attention. Shameless care and concern for the earth for our animal siblings like Tilly, for our collective humanity, so that all of us can flourish. So when I have some things to say about America, I believe it's because I think we can do better. And I'm not saying this to the British Parliament, I'm saying this to people who have confessed or at least traveling with one that we might call the Messiah who is radically reshaping all of history and the future and the cosmos. Like that's a story that we can get behind when we actually see the way that Jesus is moving through the world and take it on as our own story. Well, America starts to look really small and we start to see that the anxiety of trying to hold America together 
through force is anything but liberation. So maybe, apropos to the day, the first way that I've been finding freedom is by disabusing, I use the word disabuse, maybe we could use the word disconnect, my story from the American story. I sat here trying to define what freedom is. I have no idea. Um, we sing about freedom. Um, there are spirituals that were sung about freedom. It was, um, all of this is aspirational because it's hard actually to find it and feel it in the here and now. So I was trying to come up with a definition and I just didn't, so moving on from that section of the <laughs> message. What I will say is freedom is a feeling. I mean, have you ever walked into a space or had a community, I, I said maybe in the last service, like gone to a pet store, like somewhere where your body is regulated and you feel free? I can be who I want, I can act how I want, I can say what I want, right? Nothing's modified, I'm just me. That feeling is absolutely critical to our physical health, to our mental health, to our spiritual health. This is why racism is literally a mental health issue, mental health crisis. This is why poverty and food deserts, it's a mental health crisis. We are swimming in way too much um, cortisol than our bodies should be because every single thing, including our liberty and our freedom, has been commodified and put a price tag on. So it's this interesting play where I'm both acknowledging that America is a fence of resources, right? Doling them out for three times the amount that they stole them for. And that actually I need those resources behind the fence. And so to some degree, we are in relationship. But that doesn't make me grateful for America. <laughs> that makes it worse for America in my, repu in, in my understanding of this country. And what it does do is draw me back to what Adrian Marie invited, which is into a fractal freedom. Friends, if we have an enemy, just a, basically let's call it like a, a demotivator, right? Or we can call it Satan, whatever. But wh wherever you want to sit on that spectrum, if we have an enemy, the enemy would invite us to think so broadly that we actually don't know where to touch or to feel change, right? It's going to, like as I talk about this military industrial project, your senators, Democrat, my senators, Democrat, are voting to overfund the military than compared to last year, while the rest of us are hurting, right? We literally can't do anything about that. Like, I, that's not negative. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm not trying to dispossess you of agency. I'm saying that our agency can be um, concentrated in our spheres when we note that the empire is going to do empire stuff. To some degree, we don't have control. To a very large degree, we don't have control. But we have a sphere a network of friends, of co-laborers, that can work towards the flourishing of all things. That as this doesn't take care of us, we take care of us. That as this doesn't set us free, we set ourselves free. And any politician on any, any side of this political reality will invite you to give of your money and of your resources, will ask you to put your body on the line in places that their bodies won't go to. And then we just come across this wild rabble-rouser Jesus who didn't even really do anything. Like Jesus, 
didn't really do that much for a whole empire to destroy him and to crush his body and humiliate him. Like, what did Jesus do besides say, I don't really honor this Caesar? In fact, Jesus didn't even say, I don't honor this Caesar. Jesus was just like, yeah, okay, that's Caesar. When we talk now about paying taxes, some, some folks will use the excuse of, well, Jesus said, give to Rome what's Rome. What Jesus was saying, in my interpretation, is you're missing the collective point of collective freedom if we're talking about taxes. Pay your damn taxes if you need to, if you need to keep life. But that's not the way out. Less taxes, more taxes, you got an empire in charge of that money, no way out towards liberation. So you got this guy who walked around, avoided the Roman centers of uh, uh, like Caesarea and Jerusalem where Rome had, as an occupying force, jumped into Judea to sink its teeth and extract the resources and the people of that place. Jesus avoided, generally, the big power cities until Jesus willingly walked into one of them, Jerusalem, prepared to die, knowing, I say a little bit and I'm gonna get a lot in Jerusalem. So as I follow the Jesus way, first point is I disabuse myself of the American project. I acknowledge it as something that I need resources from. I'm not rooting for it. America is a nation that is squatting on Mother Earth for a couple hundred years. Won't be here in the future. Wasn't here a couple hundred years ago. I will not bind my decades of life to America. Point one, right? Laying it on pretty thick here. The second point is I seek liberation in fractals. Friends, you know how much work it takes for me to affirm my own body in a world that wants to tell me all sorts of ways that my body is valuable and invaluable or not valuable? Do you know how much it takes for one to look in the mirror and say I'm beautiful exactly as I am? I mean, that's not like self-help motivational stuff. Like this world teaches us to hate ourselves while also inviting to love ourselves, and if we love ourselves, then it's arrogant, conceited, you're out of line, so to speak, right? This is why I'm so changed, compelled, uh, motivated by black joy in the midst of such a racist system that America's perpetuating. That's why queer liberation is so um, uh, uh, beautiful to my story, because we see that in the supremacy of cis heteronormativity, that to just be yourself is asking a lot. A lot of skin goes on the line. You could lose your job. You could lose your family. Some people say you'll lose your soul. And people said the same things to Jesus too. You're missing the point. You're going in the wrong direction. You're misleading people. You're hanging out with the wrong people. You're going to the wrong places. You couldn't tell Jesus, I'm not gonna say that word. You couldn't tell Jesus anything. <laughs> Sometimes I write in my uh, lexicon and then I realize that that's probably not good for the live stream um, and so I need to modify it real time. Um, but Jesus was compelled to seek collective liberation for others in his fractal community because he himself knew who he was. And I just wonder, as to our second point, if we could just spend more time putting our mask on affirming ourselves as children of God, affirming ourselves as dignified with immense purpose regardless of outside narratives. And I'm not saying that work is easy. I, that work might take a lifetime. It's gonna take a lifetime for me. 
and yet it is work worthwhile because if we see ourselves as a quilt and I see myself as a piece of a quilt, I would love to knit myself to others who feel the same way and who say this is a worthwhile endeavor that I will spend a life on. And is that not the opportunity of this type of community, right? To actually say, like, the world isn't something that's inviting us to, like, have one too many drinks or, like, curse every once in a while. The world is inviting us to consume beyond our means and the Mother Earth's means. To think of ourselves as lowly because of the ways we talk about bodies and commodify beauty. I just think that Jesus walked around with such freedom that it freaked other people out. I think I'll say this as a final piece. What's been helping to, to me is, uh, the third point is impermanence. Um, as Adrian Marie Brown says in this quote, it's great, towards the bottom of the quote she says, then they, then they interact, these being caterpillars, and discover their purposes, or no, sorry, cells. I am a lung cell, I am a tongue cell, and then they serve it, ready? And then they die. The amount of peace and clarity and direction and freedom I have found in talking to myself about my own impermanence has been radical. See, when we are trying to win like the Christian narrative has for the last 2,000 years, then no land is untouched to conquer. No person is, un, is not worth enslaving in the name of Jesus Christ. No industry, no building, no anything is worth toppling. No country in a country that's apparently a Christian nation is worth not invading, right? And when we have the ends, we justify the means, right? If we can process our end as impermanence, if we can process these few moments that we have to love the hell out of ourselves, I, I say that word purposely, and to love each other the way we would want someone else to love us, y'all, you do that with three people and it will get noticed. We don't need a political party, we don't need a counter America or counter United States, we don't need another nation, we don't need a progressive movement. We don't even need a Christian, uh, whatever, network. We could, if we just did this with a couple of us, when our boss tells us to stay an extra hour, we'll say, do you pay overtime? And then we'll go home because we're caring for our bodies. <laughs> when someone has something to say about our bodies, we will walk on out of that conversation because it's not worthwhile to listen to. That is not the path to liberation. And when we consume beyond our means or mistreat animals in our efforts to eat what we want when we want, when we start to tend to that, our table practices will change. Our conversation about consumption, our conversation about appetite, our conversation about spending, all of it starts to get interrogated. Because after all, liberation and freedom is contagious. I have been freed by other people's liberation. Their liberation of pleasure is one that I'm really paying attention to now. I got friends that are like, I'm enjoying myself in multiple ways. Right? I'm, not, I'm not getting weird. We're not just talking about sex, though sex is included. 
We're talking about other forms of pleasure, just I am recreating and enjoying myself in a life that invites me to work and then sleep and do something so that I can work more productively. Jesus was one of the least productive people I know, and damn, is that a way I want to follow. <laughs> can I get an amen for my team? to talk about my work ethic right now. No, as I wrap, may the God of the cosmos, if we really are following a God of the cosmos, draw us into work that liberates us. And then may we tell others about the way we're getting free and the spirit that is unbridled and unbound by any conception, by any construction, by any map. Same way it draws Jesus into Samaria, draws us into places that we didn't expect doing work that we may not have expected, saying things about ourselves and about the world that we did not expect. And that is good news for the people of God, but most of all, it's good news for the people around the people of God because we need each other. Let me get free through you. May you get free through your kin. May we be the kin that free each other and let that be our testimony and our redemption song. Thanks for listening to the Forefront Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Forefront and how we're ushering in the next 500 years of Christianity, visit ForefrontChurch.com.